This is the Out of State Hunter podcast, and I'm your host, Chad Riker. Today, my guest is from Oklahoma, and we'll be talking all about Oklahoma and the opportunities that non-residents or out-of-state hunters have in Oklahoma. It's a great show. I had an absolute blast recording it, and Spencer's a super cool guy. So uh, I think you'll enjoy that show, too. Before we get into it, let's do the sponsor role. Um, this show is sponsored by Altera Arms, Kodiak Canvas, and the newest sponsor, which is Marsupial Gear. Super proud to have all of them as sponsors. Unfortunately, this year, I was not able to take an animal with my Altera Arms 300 PRC, but I will say that in getting ready for my rifle hunts that I had, I had every bit of confidence in that rifle. That thing is an absolute tack driver and a hammer. Um, I wish I would have been able to shoot an elk with it this couple of weeks ago, but I was not. Um, there'll be more. You'll probably get a show about that on Backcountry Rookies if you want to know more about that hunt. But I wasn't able to. And the one rifle hunt that I did have, I was not allowed to use a Magnum Caliber on that, so I couldn't use that 300 PRC, and I was kind of bummed out about that. Anyway, absolute confidence in that rifle. It is amazing. It's a hammer. If you're interested in a custom rifle, I suggest you look at Altera Arms. Kodiak Canvas. I can never say enough great things about Kodiak Canvas. The great thing about having that Flexbo, in, in my opinion, is if you're setting up a base camp, I, I had an entire 10 by 14 canvas tent to myself. So during those rainstorms, I had my computer on, I had tons of room, I was able to watch movies, I had room to cook, I took a couple of naps, um, just tons of room, and you never have to worry about being stuck in the rain in that canvas. Super great tent. And finally, marsupial gear. Uh, again, another company I have absolute confidence in. All of my optics are put into marsupial gear cases. So probably the most used item that I had this last trip was my Maven 15 power binoculars. And I put those Maven 15 power binos inside of a marsupial case so that they're not just banging around in my pack. And I know they're in a nice padded case. Really, really great to have. My spotting scopes always go in marsupial cases, and then I carry a marsupial bino harness on my chest. Super great products. They have way more products than what I just mentioned. That's just what I used on this past hunt. So um, check all of those companies out. They're all great. Let's jump into this show with Spencer from Oklahoma, and I think you're going to take a lot of information away about a really good state with a lot of opportunity for out-of-state hunters. Here we go. Hey, welcome back to Out of State Honor Podcast. Today I'm talking with Oklahoma uh, Department of Wildlife Conservation, and I'm really excited about this one. I have uh, Spencer Grace on today, and I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a minute. But let me tell you why I'm excited about Oklahoma. So for a long time, my two really good buddies, Dan and CJ, have been trying to get me to go to Oklahoma and hunt because they talk about how easy it is for a non-resident or um, how accommodating, maybe not easy, but let's say how accommodating it, Oklahoma is for non-residents to be able to get licenses and tags and opportunities in that state. So I've been trying for a little while to get connected with Oklahoma. Um, luckily got connected with Spencer through just uh, some, some connections and friends, and we finally touched base. So I've got Spencer on. We're going to run through the normal questions, and then we're going to talk about Oklahoma and some of those great opportunities that non-residents or out-of-state hunters have in 
Oklahoma. So Spencer, thank you very much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And do a quick introduction. What do you do with the wildlife con uh, conservation? How long you been there? What's going on? All right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a field game warden uh, stationed in Kay County, right on the Oklahoma-Kansas border, dead center of the state. And I've uh, been a game warden for uh, since 2007. And uh, so it's been a little while. Uh, my career with the wildlife department uh, before starts before that. Um, I actually was an intern while I was in college, worked on a big wetland project. And then um, out of out of college, I uh, graduated from Oklahoma State University, go Pokes. And um, <laughs> we uh, uh, graduated and I started an outfitter uh, business and was successful was working for a private ranch. And then, you know, my dream was to be a game warden and uh, had to get my foot in the door. It was really competitive back then. And uh, I actually moved to southeastern Oklahoma in the Washita Mountains. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about this later, mm -hmm. but I was part of the uh, Black Bear Management Project and uh, trapped and relocated nuisance bears, uh, did all kinds of fun stuff in the mountains down there, chased eastern turkeys, really enjoyed my time there. And then uh, ultimate goal was to be a game warden and a uh, position in Osage County, Oklahoma, which is the county directly east of me here came open and had the opportunity to move close to home. So, uh, and that was, uh, it was in 2007. So um, I'm not a supervisor. I'm not a, you know, I'm not anybody special. Uh, I do run our game warden Facebook page. I have a little bit of help with that too. I've been doing that for since like 2014 and uh, just, I, I enjoy getting information to the public about what we do, who we are, uh, not just game wardens, but our entire agency. So it's kind of, I'm glad you and I got connected, Chad. Yeah, me too. I, I really, really am. And uh, so a game warden Facebook page, is that just for game wardens to connect or is that for people to go to look for updates and get new relative yeah. information? Correct. It, it's uh, we put some of our bigger cases on there that, um, you know, basically any game warden in Oklahoma, which there's only about 110 of us right now, uh, 77 counties, 110 game wardens. And um, any game warden that makes a case or needs help with a case, like some investigation he's working, they can send it to me or a couple of the other guys that are that are part of that page. And we can put it on there and it's for the public to see. It's got tons of followers. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to check out if, if you know, uh, later today, if you got time. It, it's kind of a rabbit hole. You can see some of the cool cases we worked over the years. What's the name of it? It's just Oklahoma Game Wardens. Um, cool. I'm going to check that out for sure. Because uh, one thing, and we'll probably talk about it later, but one thing I think is really interesting, it, it, probably just to me, I don't know, maybe there's some other people out there interested in it too. But when I look at going to other states, I try to look at common violations because I, I think, Oftentimes, those common violations are things that get overlooked when somebody is going to a state and they most likely they're highlighted on that game warden page. And you can kind of read through that and see some of those and, and try to avoid them as a non-resident. Sure. Uh, and, you know, if you go to our agency's website, which is wildlifedepartment.com, if you go to our agency's website, there will be like a game warden uh page there and it'll have 
exactly what you just asked. Like, what are common violations or, you know, what do I need for this X, Y, or Z? Like, do I need my hunter ed if I'm nine years old? There's all kinds of, uh, like hot questions that are part of the page there. But, uh, the Facebook page that is, it's ran by me and other field game wardens. It's kind of special because it's, it take, it's really our perspective. It's our opportunity, uh, to get, to, to, put things out to the public, how we see it, you know, and we have our agency's blessing to do that, you know, and, but if, but for questions like what you were just saying, like what's the most common violation that a game warden sees the say in my area, well, it's definitely not going to be a non-resident hunting with a license. A person that's planned a trip to Oklahoma is going to have what they need. So it's probably going to be, uh, not tagging your deer once you harvest it, you know, you, you immediately you're required to put a field tag on that deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, in terms of deer hunting, that's probably the most common, you know, non-resident violation, I would say, and probably resident violation as well. Hmm. Yeah. We'll get into that. We'll touch on those in the end. Cause I, I think there's probably a few more too, and we'll, we'll touch on them. Uh, sure. Okay, so you mentioned that you are from a, a specific county. Let's let's start off with some geographical information. How is Oklahoma broken up as far as if you wanted to select an area to go hunt? Is it GMUs? Are you guys split up by county? Is it just Wild West kind so, of stuff? You buy a tag and you go wherever you want in the state. How's that broke up? It's the last one you just mentioned. <laughs> it's it's the Wild, Wild West. West. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, first of all, a little bit, a tiny bit more about me. I, I'm very similar to you and most of the people listening to this. I hunt all over the country whenever I get a chance, you know, so, um, you know, New Mexico, Wyoming, uh, there's no telling where I might go. Um, Oklahoma is, it is the easiest state to travel to and hunt that i can that i can think of i I do hunt texas texas is pretty easy too but like if you want to come to oklahoma you download our app you can buy your license when you get here you don't have to you know spend hundreds of dollars months in advance trying to go here come here and so you buy your general non-resident deer license and you can literally hunt from the panhandle all the way to the washita mountains and not have to do anything different about how much huntable land is there, uh, like public land? If I wanted to come over there and hunt, roughly, is there plenty of space for me to go to, or is it kind of, like Texas is limited? You know, you go to Texas, you're paying for private ranch type of fees, but um, is there a lot of public land in Oklahoma? Uh, I would say I'll, I'll preface this: Oklahoma is 96 percent privately owned. Okay. With that being said, we do have a decent amount of public land and in some areas of the state there's there's more than than others especially like i was saying southeastern oklahoma the, the washita mountains is a national forest everybody has opportunity to hunt there um and then oklahoma uniquely um the, the army corps of engineers built multiple lakes all around the state and all of those lakes have public land hunting public hunting land around them and so uh, most of those, like the wildlife department manages part of them, and then the Corps of Engineers manages part of them. They, in terms of rules and regulations, they all fall under the wildlife department. Uh, we're, we're the ones that enforce them. But uh, just for example, 
here in K County where I live and work, uh, I have Call Lake, which is the lake itself is 17,000 surface acres. And then the public hunting land around it is 34,000 acres. In addition to that, we have a walk-in hunting program in Oklahoma. It's called OLAP, Oklahoma Land Access Program, where the wildlife department leases land from private landowners for public access. And on most of that, uh, it's primarily for for small game, but there's, there's big game op- opportunities too, and they're typically archery only. Uh, that's that's kind of a, uh, really minimalizing that program. It, it's a big deal, especially out in the panhandle where we have pronghorn and uh, mule deer. And um, the public can can go and hunt those places where if, if you didn't have that, um, it, you would have very minimal access. There's very little private or very little public land in some of those areas where they have that. How did how did. How do we identify that? So if I'm looking for some of that public land opportunity, you guys have a map or is there a resource anywhere where we can kind of see what opportunities we have? Yeah. So if you go to our agency's website, there's maps there. Um, there's there's apps that you can download. Uh, Explore app is what they use for the OLAP program. And uh, it's it's interactive. It shows where you can park. It shows what's available. It shows you know, maybe it's open to dove only, or maybe it's open, you know, the entire hunting season and it's archery only. And then, you know, like I was saying, some of that stuff out in the panhandle, it is, uh, it might be open for antelope rifle, but close to deer, deer gun archery only for deer. So it's kind of all over the board and, and that's all found in that interactive app. Um, it's called Explorer. But you, you, if you go to the website, our, our agency's website, you can find all of that and links to the app and all of that stuff is, is there. It's, if you, if you, if I would imagine if you just Googled, uh, OLAP, Oklahoma, it would pop up, you know? So I just went to the regulation page very quickly. There's a hunting drop down, and under that hunting drop down, I went to regulations, and there's actually a whole tab that says public hunting areas. It has the yes. OLAP regulation, department managed areas, and public hunting areas. So those are very simple to find on on the website. So that that's great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. So once you get that non-resident license, and we'll get to licensing requirements here here in just a minute but once you get that license any of those hunting areas are fair game yes uh any of them are in in, um with that being said each each of those areas have like different regulations so you you really want to go into where you where you were at and say let's say you're going to go to call wma and it's also in our proclamation or or we call them regulation books um each area is going to be open at some point, but before you make your trip, you're going to want to look and say, if I want to hunt at Copan WMA, you want to look and make sure that it's open to doe. Like so say you want to fill the freezer, you want to make sure it's open for doe harvest. So each WMA has its own biologists and technicians and people that oversee the management of it. And it may have specific regulations. Like for example, on my wildlife management area here close to me, it's not legal to shoot feral hogs. So 
if you were going to come here, you don't want to be in a deer stand and, and shoot a feral hog and then get caught dragging it out and get in trouble. It doesn't, it's not worth it, you know? Um, but other areas in the state are wide open and have, and don't have that restriction. Hmm. I'll be darned. Um, uh, that's pretty rare. Usually people are all about getting rid of feral hogs. Yeah, that's a different, uh, it's a different topic. I, I don't mind going into it if you want well, to right what, now, but no, but, let's see if we have time in the end. Cause I do know that yeah. you have a time limit. So if we sure. get there, we, we get there. Feral hog is definitely usually not the focus of the podcast, so, no. but they are delicious. I'll just put that they out. They are. And they're fun. Um, they're fun to shoot. Yeah. Okay. Let's start moving on a little bit. So geographical areas, it's all out there on the regulation. If people want to look at it a little bit more, um, then, then dig in and you'll be able to find those areas. Do you guys have anything new, uh, for 2023 that maybe people who have hunted Oklahoma in the past need to be aware of any major changes this year that are, that's different from years past? No, everything is, is really, uh, very little changes in, for this year for 2023. I mean, they made squirrel season longer and uh, a month longer than it has been in the past. And um, and then some of those specific uh, hunting areas that we were just talking about, they've opened up to more antlerless harvest. So, um, and most of those are in southeastern Oklahoma. Um, but you know, really, no no changes to speak of. No, no major ones at all. Okay. No new, about, no new rules or anything. So. Okay, good, good, good. How about important dates and reminders? So is there anything, do you guys have a draw that's coming up? Is there any hunting seasons that are coming up that people need to be aware of? Is there any important dates? So, yeah, we, we have our muzzleloader season. That's uh, actually sooner than that. We have a youth firearm season. So, a resident or non-resident youth can come and hunt uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, with a firearm. And I'll have to look up the dates exactly, but uh, because I don't, uh, sadly, I don't know off the top of my head. And um, so, you know, this is in October. I think it's next weekend. It's, um, I don't know. Are you are you on the website right now? Are you looking at it? Right I can now? get to. I'm on there. Yep, I got it. Okay, right. so are are youth. Uh, if you like, if you pull up, um, of course, this is in our regs. So, you know, we we're kind of talking about how, how stuff's distributed across the state. Mm -hmm. We do have some zones like where, um, where we restrict antlerless harvest or where we open it all the way up. And so, um, they're not you, really, I'm trying you to have find, right now. It says deer archery is October 1st through January 15, 2024. Mm -hmm. So, and then yeah, you have youth cool. deer, October 20 through 22. So that, that youth deer that's, you're just referring to is a couple of weeks away. Uh, yeah. Muzzle loaders right around the corner, uh, October 28th through November 5th. And then rifle deer gun season, November 18th through December 3rd. And then there's a holiday, man, you guys have a lot of seasons, um, holiday yeah. antlerless deer gun. And that's December 18th through December 31st. Yeah. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about all of that is as a non-resident, you can literally just get on your phone or go to a, you know, a licensed dealer, Walmart, Atwoods, whatever, and, and buy, you can buy a permit for every one of those seasons if you want to, hmm. you know, 
and there's there's you know in terms of application there there's no requirements for that we do have some draw hunts in the state there we call them special hunts Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're drawn for a hunt like that it doesn't count against your statewide bag limit some of the hunts like our elk hunts and pronghorn hunts um, they are once in a lifetime once you draw them you 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 can't put in but again but uh, our deer hunts are typically like on um, like national wildlife refuges and that type of stuff or, or state parks that are typically closed. It's not open for general season. So they're, they're cool hunts if you get drawn for them and they're highly, I mean, they're highly sought after. Sure. The beautiful thing about that is uh, as a non-resident, you just have to have a hunting license of some type. It, it could be a five day hunting license. It could be, you know, it could be anything really. Um, and then it's a $5 application fee for all for one time, $5. And you can put in for all of the different categories. Wow. You know, so wow. is the antelope uh draw tag? Is that a special tag? So we have both. So there are some landowner permits that a person, if you can figure out who, which landowner drew a tag, they can transfer those tags one time. And then uh, we do have, I believe it's 25 state drawn tags uh, that are once in a lifetime. And those are open to anybody who puts in, there's no preference for non-resident mm-hmm. over resident. We have a, a bonus system similar to um, trying to think of a state we're similar to, but basically you apply this year, you don't draw and you apply again next year, your name's in the hat twice, you know? And okay. so it's, yeah. it's, it does compound over the years, but it's, it doesn't, you know, it's not like a multiplier, like say Montana or whatever. Okay. But, um, um, so on the antelope uh, that we do have an open archery antelope season for it's available to anybody. It's over the counter, just like our deer tags. And that season is October one through the 14th. Mm-hmm. So it's just a two week long season. Nice. We don't have a lot. We don't have a lot of antelope. We, we they're basically in two counties. It's legal to hunt them in two counties. Um, and uh, you know, we our trophy quality is really pretty good. But there's just there's a pretty small area that we have them in. Okay, I'm assuming that's probably the western part of the state, close to yeah, New Mexico. Up where yeah, we, yeah, where we border Texas, New Mexico, Colorado. Okay, and gotcha. Kansas actually. Okay. Um, okay, good. So important dates, they're all listed out there. We got the deer dates. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. There's plenty of opportunity out there. Deer, um, we'll talk about over the counter opportunities here in just a minute. And so that'll kind of clean up a little bit of those date, those, uh, seasons. Let's talk about licensing requirements for non-residents. So you mentioned, um, we'll broaden this out a little bit. So you had mentioned for deer there, um, you could just go buy that non-resident um, license, right? That over-the-counter tag. Does that go, what other um, licenses can somebody pick up? I guess we'll just jump into over-the-counter stuff right now. We're kind of heading sure. down that path. So um, what over-the-counter licenses are available to non-residents? So uh, the list is long. I mean, everything we do is, is essentially over the counter. Uh, we can, you can have over the, you can buy your deer tags. You can buy Turkey tags. You can buy, let me back up because I use the word tags. Um, 
you know, in my years, the terminology <laughs> has changed. Yeah. And I don't want to confuse anybody, but growing up, that's what it was. It was a tag. Now we call them non-resident deer licenses or non-resident, you know, turkey licenses. So, and why that's important is, is as a non-resident, you come to Oklahoma and you buy your deer license. If all you're hunting is deer and you don't have any desire to hunt anything else, you're exempt from having to, that includes your quote unquote hunting license. So if let's just say you're coming to archery hunt that October 1 through January 15th, you buy your one non-resident deer license. It allows you to harvest six deer on that one license. Yeah, You don't have to buy anything else, but if you want to shoot a coyote or you want to do something else, you have to buy an actual hunting license to do that. Okay. So okay. I, yeah. I, I know that's a little bit confusing and I wish, I wish we could clean that up a little bit, maybe, maybe in the future, but that, that is, it is the way it is. Um, if you want to hunt pheasants or quail or anything like that, you can't do that on your deer license. You got to have the non-resident annual hunting license to do that. But if you just want to shoot deer, you're good to go. So is there any limitation in, uh, uh, can you shoot six deer in one County? Or is yes. that, do you need to spread that? Okay. So you can just six deer anywhere, huh? Yeah. Well, there's for the, generally well, speaking, I'm assuming you can, there's, you, you can't shoot six bucks. Correct. No, we yeah. do have, we do have, uh, um, bag limits. Um, you know, you can harvest two bucks in the state of Oklahoma and you can do both of those with archery, but, uh, you can't do both, you know, we have different bag limits for, for weapon type, I guess okay. is where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. And so muzzle loader, you can shoot one buck rifle. You can shoot one buck archery. You can shoot two. Now the overall season bag limit is six. So you can harvest six deer and two can be bucks. Four can be does or all six can be does any combination that, that you can put together there. Um, but uh weapon type is where you know where you you can't go and like you were saying you can't i can't go shoot six i can't shoot two bucks and four does with my with my gun that's, that's not that's not legal um and it's it's very easy to find this in our in our proclamation the confusing part uh going a little bit back to the geography of the state we the state is broken down into antlerless zones where um, it used to be 10 zones. It's still classified as 10 zones, but it's really like three because most, I'm going to say three fourths of the state, you can shoot those antlerless deer. It, you know, there, there's no days that you can't, but like in the panhandle where the populations are really low, um, you know, the, the days that you can harvest antlerless are, are like, during muzzleloader, you can't harvest any does. Um, okay. And that's that's basically the same area that you're going to find the pronghorn. You know, the, the deer numbers are just really low there. There's And they're mostly mule deer. So. Okay. And uh, and so uh, going back to our license, the, the deer license, it, it doesn't matter if it's whitetail or mule deer. You, it, covers, it covers both. So we don't have separate license for whitetail okay. and mule deer like you find just in other deer. states. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. So I think that that's not that confusing, really. I, the confusing part is probably just understanding where your antlerless zones are are at, and you know, I, it's in the it's in the regulations, so that should be pretty easy for people to find. Um, yeah. What I like about this podcast is is it brings awareness that there is those different zones, and that people need to to reference that regulation to find out that there there are some differences throughout the state. So if you're planning on going to Oklahoma and just doing a doe hunt, then pay attention to that and make sure you look that up. Um, oh yeah, the 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 fun part is is like like if I could go to you know say. Colorado or wherever, or even Kansas, if I could go up there and buy one permit and one archery permit and I can kill, you know, if I kill my buck on the first day and I'm, I'm off work for a week or whatever, I can go out and kill those doe tags and just have fun and and enjoy being out there. So it, it, it gives you a lot more freedom. I I feel like our state gives you a lot of freedom to, to, to kind of do what you want to do while you're here. Yeah. That's, that's pretty exceptional, actually. Six deer, big seasons. So October 1st, if you're an archery hunter, man, you got a long time to, to take six deer. Um, the gun season's pretty like everything that gun season is, that's a pretty good rut time right there. November 18th, December 3rd. That's a good season to be hunting with a gun. The first, uh, the first three or four days is typically, right at right around the peak of the rut you know mm-hmm. our, our rut year in and year out and i'm kind of generalizing because it's obviously not the exact same all across the state but if you had to pick one day to be in the woods it'd be around you know november the 15th and it starts tailing off but the the first the first two to four days of our rifle season a lot of big deer get killed and it's not just because they're rifles it's because they're up on their feet moving chasing mm-hmm. those sure stuff. sure um okay how about bear season what's your your um bag limit on bear uh it's one per year and it's we have an archery season it's it's the same as that um the same as the antelope it's the first 14 days of season Mm -hmm. we used to have a quota but we don't anymore um and so i'm sorry it's the first 15 days of season and it's it's uh it's only in the southeast corner of the U of of Oklahoma. So, um, it's primarily found in about eight counties in the Washita Mountain Range. And then, uh, we've actually expanded that zone a little bit. Bears are expanding in Oklahoma. Uh, we, mm-hmm. like I said, we no longer have a quota for the archery season. There is a quota for during muzzleloader season. So you have the first fifteen days of October to kill them with a bow you can hunt them over bait on private property on public land uh, i guess we should touch on that there's no baiting on public land in, in the state of oklahoma anywhere for, okay. for any species and so uh obviously that restricts your ability to kill a bear especially here um and and then during muzzleloader it runs concurrent with our muzzleloader season for deer there's a 20 bear quota you know about how many bears get taken each year? Does that quota get met? Not during muzzleloader, because what happens is really if you don't if you don't get your bear in the first five or less days of archery season, the acorns start dropping, and it's, it's a lot of there's a lot of oak trees in in those mountains down there, 
and those bears leave the bait and and mm-hmm. if they go to the bait it's typically nocturnal they're it, so the best day to kill a bear in oklahoma is the first day of archery season yeah okay yeah so that's probably exciting so the for you to, being part of that that not reintroduction but being part of that bear management and to be able to see that grow and expand and their population get bigger that's probably pretty cool oh. Yeah, it was, it was awesome because I got in on the front end of it, you know, before there, in fact, while I was there, we were coming up with all of the parameters for the very first bear season in Oklahoma. And so I got to be part of that groundwork and both the guys I did that, that were my supervisors back then, they both uh, retired now. And, but it's really cool to see that program grow. It's actually even expanded into some of our tribal land. Uh, The Choctaw tribe is now, um, they've got their own bear program it's modeled after ours and it's really a cool thing to see there's a there's a lot of bears in southeastern oklahoma i mean yeah. a lot i mean we're killing yeah. we're killing over over 60 bears a year and and um, yeah. you know in in a small area I and mean, eight county eight counties basically hmm. so that's cool and some of these bears you know arkansas stocked bears restocked bears in in the mountains on their side of the border and they pulled those bears from wisconsin and that's that's where those bears came from Hmm. and traditionally historically the bears in oklahoma a big bear would have been like 300 pounds some of these bears are five five plus maybe 600 pounds they're they're giant bears that's a big old bear yeah, there's and it, it's really cool. They're all healthy. Like I said, the population is expanding. They're doing well. You know, I, I envision if if things continue on the the trend that they're going, um, and legislation gets passed, they'll they'll expand the area that we that we hunt them in. You know, but it's pretty cool to see, especially yeah. like you said, because I got to be part of that early on. Yeah, that, that was pretty neat. Two thousand six, two thousand five and six. So for me what about uh turkeys is there a bag limit on turkeys man that's my favorite thing um yes we we, our turkey population in oklahoma statewide is is down and i I think really nationally it's down but uh so our bag limit used to be three it's now one 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 turkey in the spring and uh you know we used to have all these different county regulations and stuff where you could where you could shoot one or you could shoot two. Well, now it's just one statewide. They've set our season back. It used to start April 6th. It now starts April 16th. They set it back 10 days to try to let those hens get bred and already go to nest before we start uh, disturbing them, disturbing the flocks and stuff. So, Is that archery only or is it archery or shotgun in the spring? It's archery shot and shotgun in the okay. springtime. And then we do have a fall season. Uh, it's not, not very many people participate in it. Uh, but uh, you, you can, uh, I got it open here. Uh, gun season is November the 4th through the 17th. And um, you can use a shotgun or, or bow. So. Yeah, and it looks like the fall archery season coincides with the deer archery season too. So if you're out there hunting deer and you come across a turkey, yeah, you got your turkey uh, license, yeah. right? You got to have your license for it, but but correct, take one. yeah, yeah, you you absolutely could, and and we, you know, most of our public land is going to have turkeys on it, um, 
especially around those lakes, like I was describing, you know, the lakes and rivers, drainages that, you know, the Corps of Engineers impounded. Uh, there's, it's good turkey hunting and we've actually had a pretty good hatch this year. And so I would good. say that maybe not, maybe not this coming spring, unless you like to shoot jakes, but you know, two years from now, it ought to be pretty good. Good, good, good. Um, okay, cool. So plenty of seasons out there again, reference that regulation. I think we touched on a lot of those seasons. Let's talk uh, briefly about the elk and how does your, is that a draw for elk or how does your elk season work and your elk license work? So again, um, I'm going to make sure I don't say anything wrong. Um, I'm going to turn to my regs here, but elk is, we have two different categories, you know, like, like we talked about those special hunts, you can draw an elk tag that way, an elk permit. And that's the once in a lifetime. And that, um, those are down, there's a three County area, Kiowa, Caddo, Comanche County. Uh, have you ever heard of the Wichita mountains national wildlife refuge? Yeah. That, that's, that's where most of those elk tags that we draw for our controlled hunts are there on that refuge. And so, um, outside of that, we actually have a general open season, just like our deer statewide. Um, and, but we have zones, you know, you have a Northeast, Southeast, Northwest panhandle zone. Panhandle zone has a quota of 60. Uh, and then there's, there's two little tiny zones that have a lot of elk in a small area and they have their own like special regulations there. And so, um, it, it, it like, like if you want to go out and hunt one with a bow, October 1 through January 15th, if you got your permit, one walks by, the quota hasn't been filled for your, for your region where you're hunting, you can put an arrow in it, you know? And it's, I mean, where else can you do that? It, not, not really anywhere. And to be honest yeah. with you, I did not expect that from Oklahoma. You don't, you, it's more, you think more of elk be, I know there's elk in the East and I've done some podcasts with Eastern States, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, now Oklahoma, but you think more of the elk population, especially with having a population that big where you can have an open season like that. That's great that you guys have that. Yeah. I mean, the majority of our, our elk are in the panhandle and also in the, you know, that wichita mountains area and they disperse from there but there are pockets of elk in in other places you know we like in the in near pushmataha county there's a wildlife management area there there's a lot of elk that have you know dispersed off of that that wildlife management area and and again the, like the nature conservancy they they had a big you know had a whole bunch of elk in eastern Oklahoma and they've dispersed off of their property. I mean, we, we have elk throughout the state hmm. where I specifically where I live, there's like must be like an old natural migration route. And I get one to three elk that come through my county every year. We don't have like a, you know, a big breeding population of them. But if a hunter sees an elk and he walks by, he's legal to harvest that thing. Wow. That's cool. Very, very cool. Okay, so that's an opportunity too. If people are looking for elk opportunities outside of uh, a Western state, I'm kind of doing air quotes there because Oklahoma is kind of on that that edge of the Western states. But there's some elk opportunity. So if you didn't draw that that yeah. glorious New Mexico or Arizona tag, then 
Yeah. We go to <laughs> Oklahoma. What's the cost? Do you know what the cost for a non-resident license is? Mm-hmm. I think it's the same. I think it's 300 bucks. I'll have to let me pull up the. Yeah, I can probably pull it up too real quick on the regs, but. I got it right here. Yeah. Non-resident elk, $300, $306. Non-resident antelope, $306. Wow. And and then our, our deer permits are, they're $300. Now that's for, you know, that's for adults. There, we do have a non-resident youth uh, permit that's $100 for either sex and then $31 for, for doe wow. or for antlerless. That's a great deal right there. That and then a the, great and then deal. I, yeah. That that bear permit uh, for non-resident is $506. So it's a little pricey. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little steep, but it sounds like there's a pretty healthy population. So um if you were looking yeah. to hunt, that that's a not a bad spot to do it. Um okay, let's expand a little bit on the requirements. Is hunter education mandatory for hunters? Yes. It's well, Kind of. <laughs> so uh, we have an apprentice license program. So if, if a hunter shows up and, and let's just say you've got a buddy that's, you know, never taken hunter ed and he wants to go, he can come and hunt in Oklahoma without it. Uh, but he has to hunt under an apprentice designation, which means he's got to hunt for big game within arm's reach of uh, somebody who is hunter ed certified and over the age of 18. So uh, and then. You know, for small game, they just got to be within talking distance. So, but yeah, if you're, if you're 10 years and older, you got to have Hunter Ed Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, you could probably get Hunter Ed in other states under the age of 10, but you're not allowed to go through our class and be certified until you're 10 years old. So, okay. Do you, is there reciprocity there? So do you accept hunter education yes. from other states? Okay. Yes, sir. As far as, as far as my knowledge is, is we, we reciprocate with every other state. So, okay. And then you just present that whenever you're purchasing the license. If you bought a license on your cell phone, how do you, you may or may not know this. I'm not sure. Um, how would you authenticate that you do have your hunter education? Um, honestly, I don't know that it would kick okay. you out if you put in a false number. I mean, it, it might, but there may be, I mean, I guess the, the real thing is there, like if you don't have it, you put in the, a false number and you get caught later. That's, I guess maybe where the penalty lies, but, but yeah, there, I guess game wardens some, out there running around yeah. going to catch you. <laughs> yeah. Those guys, they, you never know when they'll show up. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. So mandatory hunter education, most states are all uh, have some sort of mandatory hunter education or an apprentice program. So that's right in line with most other states. Um, let's talk about mandatory reporting of game. Is there mandatory reporting or do you guys do a, um, uh, survey of some sort? How, how do we report that? So all, all big game, and turkeys have to be reported electronically. Um, and I don't know that we've even got to this yet, but everything that we are, are really talking about license-wise, regulation-wise, all of that can be found on our app. We have an app for you know smartphone users, and that is how you report your you know, your harvest. And so we even have to, you even have to report some fish uh, as well. But uh, you just get on the app. You, you know, it's a free app. 
you get on there and there's a there's a button to click where you want to report your harvest and click on that and it takes you through the process it's going to ask you date time county all of those things um so but all all deer turkeys bear everything everything gets reported now and we used to have physical check stations obviously we we no longer do that and so uh, there's not a phone number you can call i guess if you're real old school you're probably not listening to a podcast but if you're real old school you can probably call a game warden and he can walk you through that and and i and i can uh when i say i i mean game wardens can uh check animals in for people in in that instance you know yeah um is it go outdoors oklahoma yes sir. go app? outdoors okay. yeah go outdoors okay go outdoors okay okay um and then just to kind of reference another thing that you just said was that um get in touch with the game warden on the website under the hunting drop down. There is a game warden directory and that leads you to a, the list of all the districts and all of the counties and all of the game wardens within all those districts and counties. So that list is very extensive. And how many did you say? 101 game wardens out there. Uh, so there's a hundred and I believe there's 118 positions total uh, and that are field wardens and we're down a few guys. So roughly around 110 guys and gals um, in the field. Yeah. And I don't know another state that, you know, game wardens are more accessible and, and there probably is, but I don't know that. I mean, you, you open the page on our regulations. The first page is, game wardens zones like you said there's and those are our cell phone numbers and you can call or text us and uh you know you know we're required to monitor that so i would say um you know i hear you know anytime i go to another state or hear people coming here i tried to get a hold of somebody so and so i would just strongly encourage somebody if, if they're trying to get a hold of a game warden they're not getting them to call them back just shoot them a text message all in, in oklahoma anyway those are all cell phones so um, i don't know about everybody else but you know i might miss your voicemail but i'm going to see your text message so yeah, okay. that's just that's just a little fyi from from me personally it's, it's just somebody's going to get back with you if you can't and and if they don't we have our supervisors uh on all of our voicemails and you can get a hold of them also so you're going to get a hold of somebody in oklahoma i can promise you that yeah yeah um very, it, having that many game wardens out there and those cell phone listed cell phones listed it's almost i don't think that's a very good excuse to say you didn't <laughs> you couldn't get a hold of yeah. somebody right so yeah. um well i'm looking through our outline and we've touched on a lot of these topics just through general conversation so I, I think we'll kind of move ahead a little bit. Uh, and I know you're kind of crunched on time too, but let's talk. Um, we've already talked over the counter opportunities. How about, are there any special opportunities for veterans or military? So yes, uh, most of those, well, first of all, active duty military, no matter your station, you are treated as an Oklahoma resident. So you get Oklahoma resident pricing and, uh, but in terms of like special hunts, which I think is more maybe what you're asking, um, there's not a like designated category for like within our agency, like for those special hunts. But I can tell you that there is there are special hunts like on Fort Sill and some of the other 
bases that only like um like one of the most popular hunts in the state is at McAllister at the Army Ammunition Plant. It's uh and only military uh can can draw certain tags there. So um yeah. so in terms of like I don't I don't know. I I I go back, I need to kind of read, but they are exempt well, from some things. Um, I can think of, so there's a, there's a website and this is kind of a tangent. It's not necessarily pertain, doesn't pertain to Oklahoma, but I sportsman is a system that military can use to register yeah. for different military bases. And I know I I'm very familiar with it because I've used it in Texas. And then I also used it. I still use it in Arizona when I go hunt on Fort Huachuca for coos deer. But um, if there is opportunity, then that would probably be the resource to find it. Cause I know a lot of times the state agency is not, they can advertise that there's a hunt there, but they can't really assign a code to it or they can't, they don't really help work with the draw system. A lot of that falls on the military installation. Um, Correct. But I just knowing that there is some opportunity there on Fort Sill, I, that's, that's pretty good to know. And then that's yeah, awesome. No, any active yeah. duty military, no matter, doesn't yeah. have to be in Oklahoma. It's any state can get yeah, resident could, pricing. Yeah, I could read it to you. If you want me to read it real quick? Sure. Yeah, read it. Yeah, it, it this is uh, it falls under uh, licenses and resi uh, residency definition. It says military personnel, a person who is not otherwise a resident of the state and a member of the armed forces of the United States and is on active duty and permanently assigned to a military installation located in the state shall be eligible to qualify as a resident for annual license purchases. If the person presents the license application, a certificate of assignment in the state from a commanding officer or designated representative, a spouse or dependent of the person who is not otherwise a resident of the state is living within the same household is similar, similarly certified by a commanding officer shall also be eligible to qualify as a resident. This is a different uh, bullet point. The residency status of any person except active duty members of the U.S. Armed Forces and any independent and any dependents of the member shall terminate if the person obtains any hunting, any resident hunting, fishing, crapping license or permit or valid driver's license issued by another state. A non-resident as an individual who is a resident of another state or has resided in Oklahoma for a period of less than 60 days, whether or not she or he intends to make Oklahoma his or her home. Wow. So that's good. That's a long, long. Yeah. That's a lot of words, but, um, <laughs> that's a lot of words. Yeah. And so back to back, yeah, back to military. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, Disabled veterans qualify for free license in Oklahoma. There are some there are some really things there um, that uh, that are like you can get a free lifetime license in some cases, depending on the percentage of um, of being disabled. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. I I think it's great when states do offer good military benefits. Um, how about your well, let's, let's hit, this is, this is one of my final questions I always ask, but in, in your opinion, what are the, what's the best opportunity for non-resident hunters? I mean, you can't really beat our deer hunting. I mean, Oklahoma has incredible deer hunting throughout the state and 
trophy potential is high. Uh, we're not, I, I don't consider us a sleeper state by any means. Like a lot of people do. I mean, the words out on Oklahoma, it's so easy to get our permits, whether you're a rifle archery or muzzleloader hunter, you, you can do all of them in Oklahoma. So I think that the deer hunting in Oklahoma is, is what I would be looking at if I was a non-resident. Uh, all the other stuff is great too. Uh, it's, you know, not as in big as you're not going to find elk everywhere in Oklahoma. You're not going to find pronghorn everywhere in Oklahoma or bears, but you're going to find deer and big deer everywhere in Oklahoma. Hmm. If if you have the, if you have the time to put in, I I mean, it's the place, it's the place to come anyway. So that's, that's my two cents. Uh, Our Turkey licenses, you know, reducing the bag limit kind of, kind of hurts for, you know, the non-resident hunter to come here and spend the money and, and the time and effort to, to hunt one turkey. I, I would look for, I would watch us if, if our bag limit goes back up to two or three, it's probably, it's probably worth coming at that point. Um, and we have three types of turkeys in Oklahoma. You know, we have Easterns in the Southeastern and Eastern portion of the state, Rio Grande. And then we have Miriam hybrids out there in the tip of the panhandle. And so I, I think, you know, most people think of Oklahoma being flat farmland. And while we do have that, it's a very diverse state and uh, really number two in, in the country in eco regions, the only, only state more diverse than us is, is California. And so you, we have bighorn sheep in the panhandle and alligators in southeastern Oklahoma. So it's, it's really unique here. And uh, but the silver bullet is if I'm coming to Oklahoma, I'm coming here to deer hunt. Yeah. And you bring up a good point with the turkeys. And uh, when I was looking at those seasons, if I'm coming out there to hunt deer, I'm going to buy a turkey tag too. You know, if I'm coming, absolutely going to have one in my pocket just because those seasons coincide, at least the archery seasons do. So that that's something to look at too, is just, you can kind of compound what it is that you're getting there with those seasons that overlap. So I I think that's awesome. Um, Yeah. All right most common violations in the field what do you see the most i know you said it was about um tagging animals uh what else do you see uh baiting on public land is is kind of a big no-no and we catch a lot of people doing that um and so that's pretty much it you know non-residents don't typically drive to oklahoma to spotlight deer or you know shoot them after legal hours we 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 do catch a lot of people doing that, but those are typically our residents. Um, but, uh, but in terms of like non-resident hunters, yeah, just field tagging is usually the biggest thing. And, uh, you know, remember remembering to check the deer in, mm-hmm. uh, on, you know, mandatory report it sharing licenses, you know, like, let's just say you came here with, uh, two or three buddies or family members and you're all are here for a gun gun hunt and you killed your buck the first day uh and little johnny or uncle jim hasn't hasn't killed filled his tag and you go ahead and fill his tag for him that's not legal here yeah, right. uh, i mean there are states where you can party hunt but right. oklahoma is one of them and so you know those those aren't really the easiest cases to make but we do catch people doing that and um in residents and non-residents both so what about off-road vehicles is there any special permit that you need if you've got a side-by-side or a four-wheeler or something using that do you guys have any regulation against that yeah uh the atvs 
uh, as a general rule, ATVs are not allowed on any of our wildlife management areas. So okay. there's no off vehicle usage, not even for game retrieval. Uh, the only exception to that is for non-ambulatory people. They they have a little like a I think it's a ten dollar permit they can purchase. You know they're they're wheelchair bound or s- severely impaired, and we have special areas on our wildlife management areas that they if they have that permit that they can drive a vehicle in. And typically they're like a really long road, long windy road that they can drive in and park, and then they can hunt from their their vehicle. But that's the only exception to that rule. Still, okay. ATVs are not allowed. Okay. So. Um, last thing is, is there any, uh, the state resources that are available? Do you guys have a YouTube channel, Instagram? You talked about your, your, um, Oklahoma game warden Facebook page. Is there any other resources where people can, can find info? Yeah. So our agency has multiple Facebook uh, accounts, Twitter, uh, Instagram. If you, if you're really in, want some kind of funny entertainment, you should check out our Twitter page. And, you know, there are, our, our agency is, has multiple divisions. You know, we have uh, information, education, fisheries, wildlife, and law enforcement. And so each one of those has the, kind of their own pages and stuff. Uh, but like the actual uh, like website is, is where I kind of direct people to the website and our app, which we've, we've talked about both of those. Yeah, but if you want some entertainment and like up to date information, absolutely follow those social media pages, and I think you'll enjoy. Uh, I think you'll enjoy all of them to some degree, and uh, get some entertainment value out of that that Twitter one and out of our game warden, like the one that that the field wardens are are using to put cases and solicit information on in- investigations, that type of stuff. Okay, awesome. Um, very good. Is there anything else we missed? Anything you want to touch on that, that you think needs to get hit? Oh, no, I would just say, uh, do a little research and, you know, call a game warden in an area that you're, you're thinking about going and say, Hey, what's the populations look like? And don't do it like the day before you plan on coming. But, you know, <laughs> if you, if you call us in June or July and say, Hey, I'm, I'm really thinking about, you know, coming to, call wildlife management area or sand hills management area what what are things looking like well we're in a bad drought in part of our state and you know antler development may not be the best year to come you know or may want to go to a different part of the state so i would just encourage do a little bit of research and uh just keep in mind we're a great backup plan if you if you like to hunt out west where where you got to draw a permit and you know you don't draw this year you don't have to buy the tag here in Oklahoma until you get here. So, and, and it's all done through that app. So it's, it's a very easy thing to do. So. Uh, last thing, I kind of missed this earlier when we were going through the season dates, but we'll, we'll touch on it really quick. How's the bird population? What's, how's your guys bird hunting down there? So pheasants and, you know, where I live that we have pheasant and quail and, uh, you know, not much South of us in terms of pheasant, but the whole state has quail and it's, it's really good in places uh northwest is going to be the best and sometimes you know years where we have good rainfall southwest is really good we have bobwhite and blue quail both um but you know the panhandle historically was really famous for for pheasant hunting you know i think everywhere not just oklahoma but everywhere 
our ground nesting birds have, have been struggling, you know, whether it's turkeys or pheasants or quail. But I would say that this year is going to be a pretty good year, especially for pheasants. Um, and then really my area in a lot of Oklahoma uh, nationally is, is known for waterfowl hunting. And when I first began my career, it was it was really, really um, amazing to see the number of people that come from out of state just to waterfowl hunt here i can we we have a split in oklahoma where you have you know the first waterfowl season and you have used to be a 10-day split now it's it's like five um when that season started back i can remember like in 2008 that there were 32 different state license plates in the parking lot in the parking lots around the lake for, wow. for the waterfowl thing in two canadian provinces so I mean, people come from all over to, to waterfowl hunt and, you know, we're in a bad drought. If it starts raining, it'll be phenomenal because there's all kinds of vegetation growing, you know, where it normally isn't. And so there'll be a lot of food and, and vertebrates and stuff if we get the water. But um, anyhow, it, it's, it's, it's never a bad time to come to Oklahoma. It just might depend on what the weather is, has done. Uh, but I would say this year will be good for upland. Uh, poor for waterfowl unless we start getting rain. Gotcha. Okay. But there is that opportunity too. And um, yes. there's a pretty extensive list of all of that on the website as well. So if you're a bird hunter, migratory birds, upland birds, what, whatever it is you're looking for, then uh, check that part out. Spencer, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And and thanks for sharing information about Oklahoma. Anytime, buddy. I appreciate it. If, uh, if, if anybody ever has a question, just look us up. You got our cell phones right at the tip of your fingers. So yeah, perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.